0: good morning and welcome to women on fire podcast episode number four yeah i am daniela and i'm here with jamie we are your hosts and really stoked to be here with you once again (laughs) yeah absolutely absolutely it's a beautiful day Mm -hmm.
1: monday morning
0: Right. It's 9 30. It's already so hot.
1: <laughs> yes. Already got my walk-in before it got hot. So mm-hmm. ready to sit down and talk about good stuff today.
0: Oh yeah. So I asked Jamie a few days ago. I was like, Jamie, what are you fired up about? <laughs> and <laughs> and she had an answer for me. So I'm gonna let you introduce us. To our topic at hand and why are you fired up about it and just tell us
1: sure so um one of the things that I sort of put out there was about um prenatal testing and then I kind of was like really vague about it and then right before we started talking we kind of dug into um that so we have agreed that we do need to do a podcast about like prenatal testing in general. Um, but one of the things that I was sort of fired up about, um, was that I doing, um, I do, I am a midwife, but I also do doula work and I was sort of noticing that, um, over many years now, but, you know, really kind of bringing to a front the, the holes that, um, can be in care regarding prenatal testing. So like information um, for clients and really how to prevent um, having a pass fail scenario with some of these situations. So what it really came back to was like, who does the prenatal care? Who's in charge of your care? um, And um, how can you prevent putting yourself in a situation of, of high risk in the end of your pregnancy, um, starting at the beginning. And that was some of the, um, just kind of recognizing that there's, there's holes in care. And when we have less time to spend with clients, we have less time to talk about things that are upcoming, um, in the future of the, the pregnancy care and birth and postpartum and also just ways to, to keep yourself out of those scenarios where you end up, um Failing some of these tests, for example, glucose test or your group beta strep test, or um things like that, avoiding ending up with high blood pressure or low amniotic fluid or needing a hundred ultrasounds at the end of the pregnancy um, <clears throat> things like that so um and what all those things kind of mean, so it isn't really about prenatal testing, but um. But that's sort of what jump started my thought process on it, because there's a lot of tests that women are feel like they have to like face in their pregnancy. And it's, you know, nobody wants to do an exam when you don't even have a study sheet <laughs> or you don't know <laughs> what is like here's the test, pass or fail. And it's like, well, how do you end up in a scenario? How can you, how can you study? How can you take good care of yourself? to pass these tests should you choose a model of care which makes these scenarios um, mandatory, or even if they don't, you know, I mean, you still don't want to end up with hypertension or preeclampsia or full-blown diabetes, you know, during your pregnancy um, because it just puts you at risk later in life for all of those situations as well, right? The body remembers scenarios just like it remembers how to have a baby um when you have your second or third or fourth child you know it's um it remembers other things too so um yeah and then that just brings you back to like well who's in charge of your prenatal care and what is prenatal care and when does it happen and so yeah so testing has sort of swung around into this of course bigger picture of what we're really trying to talk about and at some point we will also talk about like lab testing and things like that and um like a more in-depth of this is what you can expect but let's talk about ways how you can keep yourself in a position to not feel like you're failing or feel like you have to face more and more and more tests
0: (laughs) that you need to somehow pass Mm I love that. So this is a study sheet <laughs> for the exams, a <laughs> general one, and we will be your tutors along the way. <laughs> That's yeah. a good point. How do you, you know, test? We're used to being able to prepare for them and knowing what they're about. What's the topic? What's the, you know, how do I practice different formulas? Uh, so this will be insightful in that regard in a general way. and And then for different podcasts, we can dive into each individual test and break those down later on. But uh, thank you for inviting us to talk about this because the general spirit of or essence of this that kind of came through as we were talking before we started recording was of what this is about. is kind of just reclaiming prenatal care, as in the expectants, the people actually carrying the babies get to reclaim that and just... Realize more that you know the prenatal care is what happens in between the visits, right? The people carrying the babies are the ones really caring for the babies day in, day out. So, um, you know, they have really all the power to uh, in their decisions and lifestyle day in, day out uh, more than is often really recognized of what you can do to support your health and well being and your baby's health and well being that it's not something that's just beyond you and out of your control. Granted, there's things in life out of our control, but there's also a lot more in our power <laughs> that uh, than is often really recognized at large. So we just want to highlight that. So yeah, it's, it's the reclaiming our power, right? I think a lot of time what we talk about is just that. It's just <laughs> how do we reclaim more of our power <laughs> in our own lives and responsibility? Yeah. And too. Well, and because
1: ultimately it is your responsibility. Like, no matter who you hire to support you, you still decide every day what you put into your body, whether you get up and move it or not. You know what kind of situations you put yourself in, as far as stress and you know how do you manage those things, right? Like, you can't live a life without stress or frustration or upset. But how can you? um, How can you work with that? because you can't avoid it. (laughs) So um, how can you work with your body's growing baby and demand for nutrients and, um, and build yourself up and avoid becoming ill from pregnancy related complications. And so much of it really has to do with what we do with our daily lives, um, and how, how we work with ourselves, our families and, and the world around us. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, a lot of, pre- a lot of, um, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, all of this, like this rite of passage and this transition is out of our control, but, um, there's a lot of things that you can do that can put you, set you on the right foot for having a positive outcome in a place where you still don't get to, you know, choreograph the scenario, Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) the story or whatever. I think Um, many are kind of often used to just, Maybe leaning more on the passive side of the journey and just like, well, just jumping in for the roller coaster adventure and that's just it, you know, there's not much I can do. Uh, But there is a lot more that we can do and uh, something that's a big pet peeve of mine is when people say, well, I'm not a doctor and that's often used, or someone might say to someone else, well, you're not a doctor and that's often used as a means to kind of um, just degrade someone's authority or you know their sense of having any valuable insight about themselves or a topic and and I I hope to shift that you know that yeah you may not be a doctor and that's okay you can still know things
1: (laughs) well there's lots of public information you know I mean Mm. that you can access as well and not all of us can read scientific papers but there's um but it's actually not that hard if you take a little bit of time and kind of get the gist of a lot of what these abstracts are talking about, and
0: Mhm, yeah, so. yeah, so we want to kind of demystify some of that kind of you know, I get it kind of jazzed out um, things that happen when we see you know the people in authority that have you know all the titles and um, they're, they are positioned in these authoritative kind of hierarchies and it can be intimidating and to question anything they say or if they say something that's different than what we think or to go beyond what they say um, can sometimes be scary. <laughs> um, But
1: especially if they don't agree with you, then people feel like they're in a position of conflict instead of just a position of like debate. Right.
0: Right. Right? People
1: being afraid that they're going to offend someone. And so compromising their own ideals and their own belief systems in order to appease an authoritative figure Mm -hmm. is, you know, it's a... That's kind of a, a scenario I often see come up, you know, well, I'll compromise my values because I can see my care provider isn't comfortable with my choice.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That that's definitely kind of heartbreaking to see happen when you see it really like hurting the people, you know, the, the, like that's not really what they want and it's actually, you know, saddening them in some way. Um, Yeah, so that kind of gets into models of care in which, you know, how do you view your care provider and how does your care provider view you? You know, are you a a subordinate to just listen and do as you're told? Are you a teammate? Are you in the center of your care? Are you actually leading your care because it's actually about you, Uh, you know? um, And regardless of, maybe, regardless of what kind of model you actively choose um you can still go into it and show up in a way just demanding to you know be the leader of your care Um, and it can like we've been talking be hard to challenge authority and step into your own and stand your ground with something when the authority is telling you otherwise because what do we know um but you know that's the journey of kind of reclaiming your own authority your own power your own trust in you and what you know uh, and that's kind of what we're here to talk about is what can that look like of leading your care and leading your care doesn't mean you don't have anyone else on your team but I guess the point is it's your team. <laughs> it's your team. Yeah.
1: yeah, and like, well, and they're your checkpoints to like check in or they have resources and information and then still that's your care provider, whomever you choose, you check in with them for maybe an hour every month or maybe five minutes every month, right? And so what happens in between those times? Then that's coming back to like who, who is in charge of your prenatal care and why, and regardless of what model you choose, in those five minute visits or in those one hour visits, it's a shared care scenario, but ultimately the woman is responsible for the decisions she makes, which is why it's important for her, um, her team mates to help provide her with information so she can make choices that set herself up for success in those times in between those checkpoints. Mm-hmm. so um, and I think that that's sort of, one of I, I recently had a few deliveries that ended uh, or that were um, planned hospital With you know one woman was very healthy the other woman was relatively healthy and at the very end everything sort of like shifted dramatically one woman I met at the end of her pregnancy as well but she already felt the ground shifting in that direction um, which is why she had a late hired a doula late in care um, and, you know, just recognizing that, that these women are getting going in and they're get, their babies are getting listened to for a few minutes and, uh, or for a few seconds and then a blood pressure is taken and then it's sort of like onto the next thing. You know, there's not a lot of discussion and, um, So things that had come up with them were, um, hypertension and, um, preeclampsia and how, you know, we don't exactly know the full understanding of why women get preeclampsia, but what we, what we do know is that, um, how they eat and how they, um, live their life can prevent that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, and so that's sort of, I guess, why when you asked me about like getting fired up about something, it was sort of realizing that like these women, they didn't have a lot of guidance on how to take good care of themselves in order to prevent these, you know, inductions and and outcomes. And um, so that's kind of where I wanted to start was like, how do you take care of yourself? How can you do your prenatal care in between? And what does that really mean? Um, and as a um, person who does support families and healthy pregnancies, you know, from day one, we talk about, what are you eating? What does your diet look like? Every visit we spend like 10 minutes or more talking about how do you eat? What are you craving? What are you avoiding? What are you, um, where could, um, that shift you know, depending on what they, oh, well, I get nauseous still throughout the day or, oh, you know, like talking about that and how food plays such a big role in our health because your food is your medicine, um, first and foremost before any other medicines. And
0: right. And it can conversely be your poison. I mean, just, I only say that. It's true. Devil's advocate and you just have to, but no, because, (laughs) um, I, you know, it just sometimes it's really not that clear to people the profound effect that the food, the daily lifestyle, the uh, emotional aspects of ourselves, the family dynamics, how profoundly those things actually do affect us. And Mm -hmm. so I guess I really want to invite people like, if, you, if you're if you not totally there already, that's fine. But I really want to invite people to, like, imagine, consider, look into how much food, and yes, other things, can profoundly impact your health. Because I know for me, that was really not an obvious thing for a long time. And then when I started thinking about it, I was like, okay, that makes sense, but it still even like cognitively realizing it it took me a long time to really embody it and realize it and and feel it and and then you know that was when I was able to step more into it and you know like deal with major health issues that I had primarily via food um, and different changes there and that could be another podcast but yeah I just want to really invite people into that because sometimes that's highly overlooked and it's like oh let's start with the basics you know just back to the simple stuff just the food right
1: like what can you do to keep yourself healthy and keep your baby healthy and again just realizing too it's not just about passing these tests it's about the longevity and it's about remembering that like if you end up being in one of these categories that later in life, if you, that your body is likely to remember those scenarios or it's possible that they will remember those scenarios. So if you get gestational diabetes during pregnancy, you are at a higher risk of getting type two diabetes as you age. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if you know how, like how your body processes and manages different types of things that you put in your body, then you can prevent that you can start that shift while you're young and healthy and doing it for someone else, your baby. Right. And put, set yourself up on the track because people think, Oh, well, as soon as I'm not pregnant, I'm going to eat all those things that I've Mm -hmm. been avoiding. And it's like, well, it doesn't, or, Oh, well, as soon as you get the placenta out preeclampsia, you know, is over and Mm -hmm. things like that, you know, and it's just, that's just not the reality. It's not like, when the pregnancy is over, none of that matters anymore. If, if your body's having, um, needing support with, with glucose, um, during your pregnancy, there's there, you probably do have some sort of glucose management thing going on and just tweaking how you eat, when you eat or, and, or what you eat doesn't even have to be all those things, but just being mindful of the, of of some of those practices and figuring out how to um, maneuver those scenarios can put you into a position where that's not your story. Mm-hmm. You know, being diet-controlled diabetic during pregnancy and that extra stress, because what that extra stress does is it causes you to have more testing. You go in for an NSTs sooner. They are concerned about IUGR, or they are concerned about a big baby. And so then they're just putting all these concerns, 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 which then causes stress. And then women are stressed about what they can or they can't eat. And they're worried about their baby being too big or too little, or you're going to poke them a hundred times in the foot when they're born to check their glucose levels and all these things. And so then... Blood pressure starts rising.
0: (laughs) Right. What a mystery.
1: (laughs) Or they're taught, like, okay, well, now you have gestational diabetes and it's diet controlled. So this is what you can eat here. Right. But then we haven't talked about, like, how to also continue to prevent high blood pressure. And so if women are just taught, are given tools or, um, unlock some of these like nutrition things early in pregnancy when they can have time to work through it, then they can prevent having these outcomes on the other side, right? And so the main thing that um, I would say the mid- most midwives, you know, the main thing is um, the, 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 what I always say is eat well and move your body. But what does that really mean, mm. right? What does eat well mean? And eating well, I mean, lots of people have different diets and dietary restrictions, but in a general sense, if you focus on protein and vegetables as your main source of getting your nutrients and getting what you need in your body, then you can very largely prevent having any of these other health issues in your pregnancy or in the longevity or the trajectory of your existence here in this vessel, right? So and yes, we also encourage eating fruit and we also encourage, you know, some complex carbs as well. But like by and large, the biggest pieces on the plate, the snacks in the car, if you focus on protein and vegetables as your main sources, you will you are much, much less likely going to end up in a scenario where you have health issues in in your longevity or in your pregnancy
0: Mm -hmm. yeah drink water and that's it we can end the podcast right there it's all you need to know really (laughs) yeah yeah
1: well but also there's the thought of like probiotic foods right so like Mm -hmm. being sure that you have foods that have like good cultures fermented foods and what fermented foods do for the gut flora. Um, this is how you can prevent having GBS, um, which a lot of women don't even know anything about GBS. And then they walk into the doctor's office and they say, Next time we're going to screen for GBS, or today we're going to screen you for GBS. And the woman says, What's that?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> well, it's just a vaginal rectal swab. Please drop your pants. I'll be back in a few minutes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And then what are the implications of that, right? Mm -hmm. What is GBS? What does that mean? And what is the standard practice around that? And then what does that do Mm
0: -hmm. for the
1: longevity of you and your baby's health? Yeah. So, like setting people up. I had a woman a couple of years ago that she had early prenatal testing that said that she was already at risk for gestational diabetes. And then they tested her late for gestational diabetes. And so by the time they informed her she was um, full blown insulin dependent, and the doctor said, "Oh, I'm I'm sorry that I that I waited so long to tell you." At least she acknowledged it. <laughs> um, but the woman was really upset because she. Um, I was like, I, this could have all been prevented. If someone would have told me when they did my prenatal screening at 12 weeks that I was already at increased risk, I could have made those changes.
0: Right, what's the point of testing if you're not gonna inform the individual? What's the point of testing? And now you invite people to think of that for themselves anytime a test is offered to you, presented, think to yourself, what's the point of this test? You know, what information will you get from it? what will your options be afterwards like you know what's the point of it um uh yeah ask yourself those questions and if you need time to look into it and ask more questions and do it don't feel rushed to have to do it just because they're pressuring you into doing it um you know make the time and space and yeah I, i'm what's coming up now is yeah people really need to we all need to really just think beyond passing or failing the test cuz right here you have an example someone was borderline fast fail like eh, it was on the edge of the normal range but didn't get the information and so you know that wasn't helpful for her and it's about her um and yet yeah re- 20 weeks passed before right and she you know, sounds like someone that might have been willing to, you know, do those changes and explore things that could have been better for her health, Um, and then on the other end, yeah, even if a test is negative, you know, that doesn't even necessarily mean you aren't healthy, though. You could pass a glucose test, you know, it's like, oh, yep, you're in normal range, but you know maybe the person actually isn't really eating that great <laughs> maybe you know they just happen to pass because sometimes people just pass because their body could just on the lid in that moment, and it was fine, but they are eating all the sugars and the carbs and and the frosting and stuff and <laughs> um, well, and you
1: get a lot of false positives through that screen uh-huh. too, because when people don't eat a lot of refined sugar or don't um wake up and have lots of, you know, 50 grams of sugar on an empty stomach and then sit still for an hour, you know, I mean, usually if women are getting really nauseous or having a difficult time with that, that glucose screen drink, um, it's often not because their body can't handle sugar. It's because they, their body doesn't deal with sugar like that. Mm -hmm. never it doesn't it's not exposed to sugar like that and so therefore of course they're going to have a reaction because they don't eat like that
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and they're not going to and they're not going to eat like that once they leave that screen
0: right so it's
1: not relevant to how that person actually lives Mm -hmm. and so now they're dubbed diabetic or they have to take that screen again and and it makes them feel sick again, and they're not really diabetic. They just already know how to eat well. Yeah, (laughs) really. Or their body, you know, maybe it isn't even about eating well, but just that their body doesn't process sugar like that because they don't put their body through that test every day.
0: Right. That is a pretty foreign substance for their body so their body did kind of freak out because they're not used to receiving that type of artificial <laughs> stuff um and highly concentrated stuff so yeah the body freaked out but it's not a true reflection of that person's diet and health day in day out if that's not how they're usually eating anyways and i love what you said i want to harp you said you know drink the drink and then don't move for now, like you know just sit here, right because you don't want to burn off all that energy, right? We need to see how your body just deals with it, um, and that's an element I want people to really know that something simple when you eat a meal and then you can go walk afterwards, and it helps you just metabolize it, and your blood sugar levels can just you know they won't they might not spike as much, right so you can go look into it, science has been proven, whatever it helps so if you know I mean. I'd say do it regardless, but especially if you know that, you know, yeah, maybe you're on the border and of uh, that diabetes glucose test and, you know, you want to do proactive things to manage your own blood sugar levels and help your body digest and process food better. You could just go on a walk after you eat.
1: <laughs> well, and that's just it, right? Eat well, move your body. And so that is... Those are the two keys to to longevity. I mean, this is so you can hold your grandbabies, and you don't have osteoporosis, and you don't have you know like all these other issues because you're um, you're keeping your butt, you're you're helping your metabolism by. And even if you feel tired, many people report that well, I don't I don't want to get up and walk because I'm so tired. But then when they actually But then they have restless legs, so they're also not really sleeping. And then you get up and you walk, um, or you have a big meal and you have a lot of heartburn or something, and getting up and walking can help your body digest the food, helps your metabolism process things, and actually getting up and moving helps people sleep better. And even though it's hard to get up off the couch and do it, like, it's also, once you do it, you feel better. Mm-hmm. Once you've done it. So, mm-hmm. like, that's that, like, who's your teammates in this process and who can help motivate you in those times in between those checkpoints. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I can't be there harping on every person that I work with that are you putting protein and veggies first? I don't call them every day and ask them that, you know? Are you swimming? Are you walking? Are you walking up and down your stairs seventeen times a day because you have two other little kids? And you know, like, what are you doing to activate your circulation, oxygenate your blood, which also helps with blood pressure? That re- we know that small bits of exercise reduces stress and anxiety, and there's just all these great benefits for. But if women aren't given those, that those guidance that guidance or those guidelines are working out a plan that actually they can achieve then we're not really counseling them and they're not being given an opportunity to give themselves good prenatal care in mm-hmm. between
0: right right and it's it's it, you know it can really be an empowering journey is what i really hope people get out of this uh, that's like wow you can really do so much to just care for your well-being and your baby's well-being and yeah carrying a baby is natural and epic as it is it's you know it's a lot of hard work on the on one's body and there's a lot to keep up with and just make sure that you know your body's uh, keeping up with or just you know meeting all the extra demands of your precious baby growing um and this is a simple way to do it and and yeah you know i want to take a moment to recognize the complexities of real life you know when you are super pregnant you know it can be really uncomfortable sometimes to walk actually you know it's one of our simple tasks as human beings but yeah sometimes you know it hurts to walk and sometimes the because I, I hear that sometimes like oh I walk and sometimes my back is just so achy and my round ligaments you know and and you know there's things you can do about that I mean you know maybe you do a belly band or a rebozo to help kind of carry in the weight of the baby or whatever but I just want to take a moment to address it because you know I'm saying like yeah it's so simple just go for a walk okay um and I get it you know and like you said Jamie sometimes it's like oh we're just so tired and and it's kind of one of those things, like, the more you sleep, the more tired you are, you know, it's like, you got to get out and oxygenate your system. And then that'll be invigorating for your senses and your your whole system. So yeah, the benefits of walking, I feel like we could do an entire podcast on just walking. <laughs> right. But yes, it's just nourishing in every possible way that you need it to be in the moment and long term, too. So, Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Well, and if you can't walk because you live in a place that's cold or, you know, if you can swim or if you can get a yoga ball and just keep movement Mm -hmm. on that, that's passive movement. If you have to go to work every day for eight hours a day and then you want to, you know, you can sit on a ball and that's passive movement, you know, Mm -hmm. you can take, you can take the stairs, you can, there's not, you know, there's ways to do it, to break it up, to make it work and that's part of that those are those checkpoints and those counseling moments that you have with somebody who's providing care for you that someone says I just don't have time I can't do it well then we can help find the time or look Mm -hmm. for the places where it can be integrated and maybe you're not going to get an hour walk every day but maybe you can take the two flights of stairs take your time you know don't hurt yourself but when you're at work take the stairs or when you're you know um don't always just take the easier route. Um, try to work it in. If it takes an extra two minutes, that's okay. You know, at least you're getting it in. You don't have to set aside a whole hour right? because people have busy lives and, um, you know, even that people work, well, I can't eat well because my life is too full and, um, there's ways, there's ways to, to work those things in. So, um, so people can be successful but they need help a lot of times again that's kind of what the checkpoints are about it's like help sort of navigating how to achieve these goals as opposed to here's this coming up and good luck Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. so changes is kind of what we're talking about here it can be difficult or challenging to you know change your routine daily to rearrange your reality um, to shift your mindset to rearrange priorities that can be challenging right so you know people will be met with that a lot of the time when navigating these tests perhaps and results and and even if it's not about the test you know you don't need a test to tell you that it, 10 donuts every day is, you know, not the healthiest thing for you and your baby. You just don't need a test to tell you
1: that. <laughs> or having bagels and then having pasta for lunch and then having, like, sandwich. you know, right. sandwiches. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it really is, you don't need tests to tell you that eating the same thing all day, every day is going to, it's not going to work for you in the long mm-hmm. run. Your body needs the rainbow. It needs the variety. and. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why too, like talking about cravings or talking about aversions and like, what is that? Is that like a nutrient deficiency? Is it comfort food? Is mm-hmm. it something that like, what are we really looking at here? Cause again, food can be your medicine or it can be your poison and it's tied to many things. It's emotional. It's um, there's so many, there's so many attributes to our nourishment. And so um one of our, dear um, colleagues talks all the time like oh well if you're craving sweets like you know what is it that you're that you're missing are you missing protein or are you missing the sweetness in life you know like what are you doing to nourish your soul because if it's eating dark chocolate all the time well that okay but like what else is missing from the picture like why are you why do you just Why do you feel like you have to have a pint of ice cream at night? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like what else? Or like what could, what could help cut that in half? Are you, do you need massages? Do you need someone that you can just relate to? Do you need to float in the ocean? What do you need to get that sweetness? Do you need alone time? Um, What makes Mm -hmm. you happy and fills your soul?
0: Right. Right you don't need the test for that what you're talking about it's just that introspection it's the being in tune with yourself right it's paying attention to your body's unique signs that only you can ever really hear Um, you know I have one teacher she always says I love this she's like Only you know exactly what temperature you want your shower to be. Only you can play around with that nozzle and get it just right to where you want it. Like nobody in the world knows that besides you. Only you can know that, right? So that's what we're talking about. Those little messages that only you can get. Right, so that's what we're asking you to tune into, and that can take practice too. It's like, okay, I got a message, I don't even know what it means, or, or sometimes it's like, I'm not sure if I'm getting a message. I don't know. Keep listening, right? And you can recruit people to kind of help you listen to and and maybe give you their two sense of what they see and how they interpret it. But um, so ultimately, it's your code to decipher. Um, and the tests, you know, they can be helpful tools for sure. Um, I know sometimes they can be motivating for people, right? It's like, oh, well, now that I know this isn't working, you know, I'm getting, I, I maybe I, I was already not feeling that great. And I've done the test and it says I'm on borderline. Okay, maybe I really do need to, you know, shift things. So, you know, sure, it can be helpful. Again, you know, there's people that, you know, you can realize that, like you said, the pasta, pizza, sandwich, lifestyle, you know, isn't really doing it for you and you can decide to shift those habits regardless of the test. Um, So, you know, just thinking beyond that. Um, But they can be inspiring for sure, the the push to shift. Um, But again, the tests aren't always the most accurate. You're going to have false negatives or positives. So, There's that too. um, Yeah.
1: And that's about slowing down and listening, right? Those signals or whatever. So, if you really are craving a pint of ice cream every night, your body doesn't need a pint of ice cream every night. So, what is it trying to tell you, right? Like, again, we know that that's just not good for you. Like you said, the 10 donuts or whatever it is, right? (laughs) We, we as a society, know that that is, you know, leading you down some other road. So, what else is going on, right? Is, do you actually have underlying candida? All these different, you know, like the, mm-hmm. the, it wants to, that you want to be fed or are you not getting enough protein or are you, you know, so there's ways to look at those things. And, um, and yes, it's never too late to, to shift gears, but it feels even better when you can show up for these things. Know they're coming and show up for these things, feeling pretty confident that you've you got it in the bag. Mm -hmm. You know, if you choose to test at all, you know, but like, um, or like, oh, when I do eat that, I do feel nauseous afterward. That's a signal. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: That's aversions are a signal that, you know, like, oh, well says eat all this protein. And so I'm jamming all this dairy to get this protein in, but Mm -hmm. it's like, well, maybe you need to not, maybe you need to diversify your protein intake. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. because your body can't deal with all that calcium or whatever else it is that's sort of, you know, having trouble managing,
0: right? Right. Yeah. And yeah, the cravings can be a tricky one. That's why I say it's about sometimes it's about deciphering the code because, you know, if we talk about listen to your body. You know, right, if you're like, uh, well, my body says it's craving a whole pie of pizza, I mean, you know, (laughs) and then an actual, like, apple pie afterwards, like, okay, right, so dig deeper. (laughs) Well, I mean, people...
1: Yeah. People crave dirt when they're pregnant. You know, I mean, there's mineral deficiencies. Mm-hmm. There's lots of things. It doesn't mean that you should just go out and start eating laundry soap or licking dirt, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. there is, there are actually healthy clays and things that you can actually ingest. So there is, but it's a nutrient deficiency, you know? Um, and so there's ways too to like, these are signals, these are signals. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's important to tune in because you're the one doing the care. You're the one with yourself every day. You're the right. one making these choices. So it's good to have folks you can bounce questions off of and look into resources. But at the end of the day, you're the one sitting with what you do with your body. And you're the one that gets to look at the messages and fit, try to, you know, and and, and take note.
0: hmm right. So yeah, you know, don't, if you feel weird or crappy, you know, you don't have to wait for the test to tell you, oh yeah, you're not okay. You know, I get it. Sometimes the test can be helpful to like pinpoint like, oh, this is why, you know, but you, you know, you don't have to wait until that comes up to take action um, upon something you're feeling and to start looking into it. Uh, for yourself you know that back to that conversation of where does your authority lie what do you um, yeah what is your source of authority is it beyond you is it coming from within is it your intuition is it your doctor is it your dad your family your friends is it Instagram I mean (laughs) you know what are your decisions in life based on ultimately what voice in your world carries the most weight, Um, you know, and if we are in a world where a lot of people, um, you know, often don't value or we're often not just not even taught to honor that internal voice, you know, and we're off, you know, something I hear a lot is the whole, you know, toughen up buttercup, you know, just push through whatever you feel a little something, whatever, push on through and we're, you know, at large, I recognize a lot of people just push on through, just push on through. And then you push through all those like subtle messages trying to make their way through. And then you push yourself to a point where you can't ignore the messages because they're so loud and they're like, you know, you, your body's in, and health is in total havoc because you kind of disregarded those subtle messages that your body was trying to give you beforehand. Um, there's this ancient Chinese proverb that has been very helpful for me. Um, that he who gets sick once lives longer than he who never gets sick. Um, And, you know, I've personally experienced this for myself and with many things in my health work. You know, it's a blessing to receive some of those, you know, or, well, a lot of those messages. It's a blessing to hear them and to, you know, that your body's speaking to you. So that's the invitation to dive into it that only you can hear right um so though it's not a wimpy thing to maybe s- slow down one day because you're oh slightly tired than usual maybe your blood iron is low and you need more sleep so your body can build up the blood iron you know that's fight flying instead of just push through don't be tired produce must do 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 <laughs> sleep you know so right. yeah um Paying attention to those things, valuing those internal voices. Um, yeah, let your intuition well, and be the authority yeah. for you.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and I also think it's not about like not
0: listening to your
1: physician either. It's actually about collaboration. It's really mm-hmm. so much, you know, I'm not saying that people shouldn't take tests or listen to their doctors or do whatever, but just to recognize that like they only have their part in it and you have your part in it. And so that communication and finding a care provider who's willing to have those conversations or talk to you about it, um, so you can be successful, um, is. I mean, isn't that the goal for everyone? You would hope is that success is the is the outcome, right? Of like feeling having isn't healthy mother, healthy baby the, mm-hmm. the ultimate goal. Right. So having a care provider that like will take the time to talk with you about these things beforehand and not just spring some of these things on you or say, you know, like, and, and, and if they're not offering, then you can ask, Hey, I know at 28 weeks I have this glucose screen. What are my options around it? How do you, what do you see is the best opportunity for me? So I don't end up in the scenario where I'm having to also juggle this in my pregnancy, you know, like lean into your support team and, and ask for the guidance and ask for the the assistance if you're not sure, or if you don't know what their expectations are, Mm -hmm. that's a huge part of it is like, if you don't know what is expected, then it's hard to, um, to work together. So, um, you know, and ultimately, I think everybody's goal is healthy mom, healthy baby. But how we get there can take many different avenues. Totally. And, and by and large, it, it, is, it does fall on the day-to-day. So finding somebody who is willing to have those conversations with you, willing to guide you as opposed to just present a test in front of you that is part of protocol, you know, um, if it's part of protocol, fine. And yet, how can we, how can we keep this woman in a place or this birthing person in a place that they, um, they can have success and less stress and less worry about these tests that are coming up. Mm Um, and again, a lot of it just comes so much back to food.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, um,
1: the the group beta strep test, that's why I had mentioned, you know, like healthy cultured foods like yogurts. And if you don't do dairy, there's lots of nut yogurts mm-hmm. and coconut yogurt and there's lots of alternatives now, which is so great that mm-hmm. there's that and live cultured food, you know, having food that is alive and mm-hmm. not prepackaged, cooked to death you know um, having fermented foods we we come from a place where refrigeration wasn't really that popular a hundred years ago you know Mm -hmm. not everyone had plug-in refrigerators so we haven't evolved that far from from a place where fermented foods are key to our gut flora and our digestive tract and that if you have a healthy balance in your gut flora and your digestive tract, which means also avoiding taking tons of antibiotics, um, or if you you have a necessity, a medical necessity for antibiotics, being sure to balance it with probiotics and fermented foods, so your, health, your gut flora is actually healthy. Um, mm-hmm. It's not overrun with candida. It's not overrun with um bacteria that um is not beneficial to supporting your guts so um you know kimchi and sauerkraut and um in hawaii they do sour poi but also miso and tempeh and you know you don't even have to love these foods you can Mm -hmm. just stick stick a fork in it once a day Mm -hmm kombucha I know that there's a lot of like questioning on whether women should have kombucha during pregnancy or not and it's kind of like you know everything else definitely don't get the alcoholic kombucha you know (laughs) and I wouldn't say that you should you should not be drinking kombucha all day every day but if you want to have a glass of kombucha it's okay you know it's live cultures so, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <And so, laughs> Epic has something uh, to say. <laughs> yeah, he's got something to say about that. Um <laughs> so that those things, you know, um that helps balance your gut and then when your gut is balanced then you don't have an over population of your beta strep. <laughs> yeah.
0: Right. And, um, you know, I guess I want to try to tie it in for people of long-term. I know we didn't break down what is GBS, the beta strep and all that. We'll get to that. If you're totally like at a loss of what we're talking about, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll break it down in another one. You can go look into it. But for now, just that GBS test is, um, you know, it's done in pregnancy and then i want to tie it into like the long term and medically necessary right at the end of pregnancy because that's when it can come up of okay well if you tested uh positive for it then we want you on, on antibiotics in labor right um it's interesting to note that's not the standard of care um through in the uk actually so, you know, what is medically necessary? Because I hear people say that a lot. And I think we'll have another podcast on that notion. But, um, you know, question things, you know, more than you might be used to even because um, the doctors will uh, here in the U.S. will certainly just say that's just a standard of care. That's just what you do. That's definitely there recommendation um, as far as they're concerned that is what's best for you and that's why they're recommending it so much and and that's fine and you can take the recommendation and and dig into it and make your discern for yourself um, because you know nothing is without risk there's definitely other things that can come into play when you add interventions like the antibiotics um, as a preventative measure in labor so um, because that's kind of what you know inspired all this fired up topic right is just people kind of seeking out you know the natural non-interventive care or not care but um, birth and but then you know towards the end of the pregnancy pressures kind of build up you know and and, and the providers sometimes get a little more weary and, and then all these things that maybe didn't seem to matter all that much when you were 28 weeks and 30 weeks, all of a sudden matter a buttload um, and start surmounting to all these pressures and, um, and it can be scary, you know?
1: Well, and but, more testing and more testing, Yeah. which puts you into a position of... Now we're doing late-term ultrasounds, and I know that you had mentioned that you wanted to touch on this too, and how late-term ultrasounds actually increases your risk of cesarean section by, what is it, about 20% um, because of the cascade of interventions that start unfolding. And
0: without without actually offering better outcomes for moms and babies. So more cesarean sections, outcomes are the same
1: because of failure to progress and, and things like that and not from actual like distress or issues of the pregnancy. And and how, you know, with a primip, which is a first time um, birthing um, person, you know, that increase of cesarean section um, through induction, it goes at like one third. You have a one third higher chance of ending up in a cesarean section if you're having an induction with your first baby, and then having a primary C-section, of course, increases risk for future pregnancies. And I'm not just talking about uterine rupture, which is what most people mm-hmm. get concerned about. I'm talking about um, other health issues and things that can come from that, or risk Sorry, sorry, that last part I got a little warpy. Retained placenta, IUGR. Oh, okay. Um, so, not just talking about um, uterine rupture, but talking about um, placenta accreta, or talking about IUGR, or talking about finding not being able to find a hospital that will allow you to VBAC, which <laughs> then puts women in a scenario where they have to go further for care, or they have to consent to having multiple surgical births and based on policy and so um you know it isn't about just passing these tests and just avoid you know like there's there's risk upon risk upon risk when you start going down the interventive route and it doesn't just end when the baby comes out Mm -hmm. not to mention mental health and hormonal support and all these other things that come along with that so um So that prevention in the early stages of the pregnancy to help these birthing people succeed and having a healthy pregnancy is about the trajectory of the future and how we care for each other and our planet and future generations. So it's, mm-hmm. it's more
0: than birth. Yes. Than birth. Thank you for like zooming out for us. We, like, we just went macro all of a sudden and it's needed. Absolutely. So just bringing it all the way around for people like this is beyond just, well, I don't really want antibiotics, but I guess I'll just do it. I mean, whatever. It's not that big of a deal or I'll just do that thing. Cause it's not that big of a deal. It's like, we're inviting you to really consider how that can lead you to other things, the implications, the repercussions that you know compromising here and there can have for you and your baby, uh, for your rest of your lives, and that's the fabric of our community as we're all connected as a community. The health of each other is the health of all. Um, so, it's inviting you to think about the bigger picture right and that's why for this matter if you're listening to this and you're not even pregnant or maybe you don't even want to ever have babies that's fine this is still totally relevant to you as someone who's alive and thus has health to engage with how do you generally know that you're healthy how do you know the status of your health how do you generally take care of yourself right how because how you do anything is how you do everything yes um so How do you generally, like I know for myself, like I'm always trying to tune in to those subtle messages like, hmm, I haven't really had a solid bowel movement in two days. What's up? (laughs) Because I know that when I haven't paid attention to my irregular bowel movements and those things, it has led me down like candida imbalances. And that was not fun. So, you know, I didn't pay attention to the subtle messages of you know, irregular bowel movements, and then it led me <laughs> to a place I didn't want to be in. Now I'm like, I'm going to pay attention to these subtle messages, okay? So that's, you know, independent of being pregnant or not or taking a test or not. It's just, you know, the more you can practice this before you're pregnant, then you can be that much more equipped to, to tune in when you are pregnant and, you know, considering your own insights as valuable and positioning your personal insights as an authoritative Source of knowledge along your journey, um, because yeah, no one knows yourself better than you, truly. It's just it's what it is
1: <laughs> 100%. It's 100%. Right? Well, I also think, too, like back to that macro, right? And then this is the stories that are told, like, so there's women who are choosing or people who are choosing not to have children because their mothers had traumatic experiences, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Are they um, and so the story suddenly, in just a few generations, we, women fear birth. You know, they fear birthing a person, they fear what it will do to their body or they fear um, all these you know they, that's the story the story is told, right? And so now we have trauma, and we have um and how does that play out into our children? when they hear like oh yeah birthing you was the worst right mm-hmm. yeah you hear that <laughs> and so I'm glad, glad you're here it. but it was yeah. it was you know um and and what does that do what does that do because mm-hmm. that is that ultimate culmination moment of you getting to see that person that you've built and that you've connected with On the spiritual, mental level, and then the physical piece—what does that do to that relationship and that that um, connection, or to hear how horrible it was for you to come into this world? You know, Um, Mm -hmm. so because of all of the things that came along the way, we didn't test pass this test, and we didn't have this screen and then this ended up with this and then because of that now I've had this this and this and you know so it really is it's it's this cascade of like social um circles and um how we're cared for and um what we imprint on the next generation and so um I mean Protein and
0: vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: Drop and, the mic. And, <laughs> and taking charge of the fact that really ultimately you are you are responsible. And if you're not if you don't want to take on that responsibility and you're pregnant, it's already too late. <laughs> you have mm-hmm. to you're gonna have to be responsible. Um, and it can be really overwhelming to think that like, oh my gosh, that is on my shoulders, but this is part of, of that rite of passage or like transitioning in and bringing in another generation, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's about self-sacrifice and it's about thinking about something, you know, being present, but also being, um, putting a sliver of hope into the future, um that we can, we can tip the balance to having a more peaceful um, and loving world um, that, that we are. That, that is the time. It, it, that's the catalyst is usually. Um, that's when most people have major epiphanies, when they are um, going through rites of passage mm-hmm. and how that's honored or dismissed mm-hmm. or the scenario around it. Um, the trauma or the shame or the fear or the joy or, and the celebration and um, how that plays out.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. There can be joy in the process. Yes. Uh, You can survive, you know, go beyond just surviving and, and actually have this be more a time of thriving where you thrive where your baby thrives your family thrives you know it's not just merely survive the experience and then come out feeling like total shit afterwards um and maybe even for years of having Ugh, I mean I, I've seen that and it's heartbreaking I you've seen it too Jamie and I think that's why we're here fired up about this because it sucks <laughs> so bad to see people compromising and compromising because while they've entrusted certain individuals to guide them and ultimately maybe even make their decisions for them and they trust them blindly and then sure they survive the experience they're alive their baby's alive but you know a year into their journey and they're having panic attacks when they've never had that before and they're having severe depression and they've had you know all the cases of mastitis and, you know, they're in a pit that they're struggling to get out of so hard Um, Mm -hmm. because there's so many compounded layers of things that came up really in the birth journey is what I've seen, you know, so that's why compromising, I want, you know, I I really invite people, I have lots of invitations for you guys here, (laughs) another invitation. (laughs) Is to because you can say yes or no, but I invite you to uh, you know every time you feel like you need to compromise, particularly in your maternity care, your birth, um, consider just just take a moment, pause, and I don't know, sleep on it, meditate, journal about what you're compromising on. And why you feel you need to do that? what happens if you don't? Why do you feel so strongly about you know whatever it is that you feel you're compromising on? Um, because the repercussions of it might be way deeper than um, you, you know you may realize it, it can be difficult sometimes to see how something so seemingly insignificant can have like a lifetime's impact down the line. Uh, but consider that it often does, especially. Um, when it comes to you know, pregnancy and birth, that's major, right? Um, You're connected
1: to many layers, many generations. It's
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so, you know, I remember I had a counselor in high school, and so. we're all uh, senior year. We're all applying for uh, our scholarships and where we want to go to in school for college and stuff. And he would always say this is your education don't compromise you know because a lot of us would be like well you know I want to go here but it's too expensive or yeah I can't afford that I'm gonna go over here it's cheaper he's like no don't let that be the reason you decide on something as important as your education and I love that guy for that because you know I was just like whatever I'll just go wherever it's cheap whatever I don't care you know it's like ah think deeper than that this is your education you know this is, you're going to go spend at least four years somewhere, like, (laughs) put thought into this, you know, so don't compromise, this is your life, you know, a lot of the, you know, hospital world, the fact of the matter is unbiasedly, you know, no judgment here, it's like, it is what it is, liability comes first, their insurance companies, what, you know, covering their butt is what matters, that's what they have to do, the hospitals, individual providers, that's just what takes president in a lot of these, uh, care situations. Right. So, uh, I know we kind of, because well, they
1: don't expect you to take responsibility for your actions.
0: Right. And they don't want to either, <laughs> but yep. it comes back to them, <laughs> um, if anything. So for example, you know, the breach thing, here's like a little scenario that might help, Bring some context for people, sort of. Um, like, if you have a breech baby, right? Uh, we've talked about it before. More often than not, that just means an automatic C-section, not even it's, you know, an attempt of a vaginal birth. So, okay. Even but if you've people, already
1: had a vaginal birth.
0: <laughs> right, right. So for this scenario, you know, breech baby, we're cutting them out because it's too risky, right? And we're afraid of risk. And we think if we do a C-section, that eliminates risk, even though there's studies out there that show that even. Reach babies born by C-section. You know, it's not a better outcome necessarily than vaginally born reach baby. But regardless, that's actually not the point of my (laughs) example here. Well, and it eliminates
1: the risk maybe for this pregnancy. However, bingo,
0: bingo, totally. So risk, we think we're getting rid of it now, but are you really? What are you? Where did the risk go? (laughs) Right. Well, and how many children do you plan to have
1: after this pregnancy? And um you know c-section often means antibiotics and you know then we're um we're kind of going again like you might eliminate one risk in the immediate however what's the fan out from that
0: yeah um so you have that breach uh, c-section and then your next baby you know, well, you already had one C-section, so we just do another C-section because that's just what you do. Because again, it's too risky to not do anything to do otherwise. And then, okay, so you had that second C-section. Then your third baby, um, you know, there's been an increase in plus in accretas, right, where the placenta actually embeds into deeper than it's really supposed to into the muscle of the uterus. And then, you know, that has many complications. And sometimes people have to end up getting their uteruses removed because it, it, it can be that dangerous. So, you know, just consider that. Yeah, you're is, trading one risk
1: for another, essentially. Yeah. That, that with, with, every, with every attempt, I feel, to correct issues, there's often an unattended, unintended effect as well. Yeah. Right. And so um, and some some of those outweigh others and some aren't presented. And so you wouldn't even know <laughs> if it outweighs another because we're only talking about the immediate right now. We're not talking about. Futures stuff. Yeah. And I think that if every woman that was presented with a non-emergency section was given the full information of how that could impact her future, and even if you find a doctor who's willing to be back at a hospital that has a policy that says you can be back, they're already going to approach you as high risk,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which means you could end up back in the cascade, right? Pretty easily because you're now 35,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and have had a c-section.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. So, so yeah. then do you, and, and you don't want to get an induction again, because you remember that's how you got here in the first place, but you're already put in a category. Mm-hmm. So that's why it matters that women or birthing people recognize that they are in charge of their care. Yep. No matter who you hire to support you, the decisions that you make every day is the impact. And you can't just hand that over.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or, and if you do, you still have to recognize that you chose not to participate.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> something I've learned from you, I've heard you say that really stuck with me is you're the one that has to live with those decisions for the rest of your life. The doctors will be happy. Or whoever it is that's caring for you will be happy that, you know, they you're did alive. as they were supposed to. You're alive. And as far as policies and liability is concerned, perfect. He stayed within their parameters and they're fine. That's all they care about. That they stayed in their box and they're good. Um, but you're the one that has to live with the ripples effects of that journey forever. You go home with your baby and you live that. And they just live on. Go to the life. next room yeah. and deliver another baby. Yeah. So you don't have to compromise. Okay. You don't. Um, you can if you want to, but you don't have to. Okay. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. There's yeah. choice out there for whatever you
1: want to do, but just recognize that every choice you make has its own consequences. Yeah. And every choice that you don't make is still making a choice.
0: <laughs> exactly. Bingo. So I think we've done quite a good job today zooming in and out um and tying things in of how you know from the beginning and to the bigger picture of life beyond birth and the fabric of our communities and um got any other nuggets you want to drop for our listeners (laughs)
1: um no this was an interesting spiral that we went in and um i'm glad we touched on it and i'm it's uh it went I think in a different even flow than either of us sort of saw it going, but it's good. And I, and I am interested in spending a little more time kind of diving into some of the, the testing and things too. And if anybody has expertise or anything that they would like to share on any of these topics, um, you know, we invite folks in, we're zooming our um, podcasts, which is great. And so we can invite other folks into these conversations. Um, if you have something to share, we really mm-hmm. um, a big piece of this is about um, building community, and so folks realize they're not alone, or and sparking curiosity, and you know, bringing in like Daniela said, the expert on you is you.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so we'd love to share some of those aha moments that other families have had. Um, because that's that's how we learn mm-hmm. through experience and through through support and love and even if it wasn't a great story, you know like how could how did how are you working with that, or how do you reframe that or how do you grow from it? you know like giving
0: giving people tools to be successful? Yeah exactly. so we'd love to hear from you folks, we have an email. It is podcast at gmail.com. Please send us your questions, thoughts, reflections, ideas. Maybe you're interested in joining us on one of these spiral adventures on Zoom. Uh, and we
1: have um, social media accounts as well that we can be reached at. Miss um, Daniela is at Holistic Womb Arts. Mm -hmm. on Instagram, and um, I am Jamie directly, J-M-E directly on Instagram. I've been dark on there for a while, but I'm starting to tap back in a little here and there, so um, you can message us there as well, and then I don't know if you have a Facebook hook or anything.
0: Um, I do, and it's the same name, Holistic Walmart, and by and large, it's Mostly even the same content. <laughs> yeah. 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 Too. So that's where people are. You can find me there. Yeah. Sounds
1: great. And I have a um not well maintained or trafficked um Facebook account to um Grassroots Midwifery. So you can find um a little bit of information there too. Um I share that page with another beloved colleague, um, Ms. Piper Lovemore. So we pop into there every now and again as well. And at some point we'll have her join us in this conversation. She's a wealth of knowledge and has lots to share as well as our um, mentor and dear colleague and friend, Dr. Lori Kimata. Um, I have talked to her about giving us a little guest spot too. So I'm looking forward to starting to share some of our community members. We have another mama who would like to share
0: her stories. So stay tuned. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We're just getting started. <laughs> we been getting warmed up. You guys are in for it. <laughs> That's right. That's
1: right. Bring it on the fire.
0: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. All right. So stoked to be here with you, Jamie. Thank you. So much love to you all. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you all. Mm-hmm.
1: Loving you all. Stand together. Stand strong. Be in love.
0: Yeah. All right. Aloha. Aloha. Mm-hmm.